His question hung in the air over the disciples. Their nervous answers brimmed with uncertainty. Some say John, others Elijah, Jeremiah, a prophet. But you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? All right, good morning, everybody. Let's stand for today's scripture reading. It comes out of, yeah, let's celebrate the word of God. It comes out of John 10, verse 1 through 18. I'm going to read the whole thing. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down, lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the, as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall, there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Remain standing as we pray. Lord, you are the good shepherd. You are the one who leads us. Lord, you know us. Lord, we know your voice and we, we follow you as your flock, as your congregation. So, Lord, we praise you. Would you speak to us this morning in that, in that way that you do, your voice that we know. So we praise you. You are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So we are in a fourth week of our series called, Who Do You Say I Am? And it's these statements of Jesus where he says, I am. We started off with, I am the light of the world. And then we talked about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Last week, I, I got to share about, I am the bread of life. And today, of course, we are talking about, I am the good shepherd. And then he talks about how he is also the gate. So there's lots of metaphors in the Bible for who God is. We can look at Old and New Testament and see that the Lord uh, is the rock, that the rock on which we can rest and build our life. And so in some ways, God is like a rock. In some other ways, God is 
not like a rock. It's a metaphor. In some ways, God is like the vine. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, that he is the vine of life. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about um, how, continually talk about how the Lord talks about himself as the father. He is Abba. He is daddy. He refers to himself in this metaphor. And today we are going to talk about the Lord being our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. And if the Lord is our shepherd, that, this is the first point of the sermon series. If you're taking notes uh, of this sermon today, if the Lord is our shepherd, then we are like sheep. Is that good news to you? <laughs> Probably not. If you know anything about sheep, they, they don't have uh, very good ways of protecting themselves. Uh, you know, we'd rather be known as like the eagles, these soaring creatures, the majestic in the sky with beaks and talons. We'd rather be known as the lions, uh, big animals, the king of the jungle. A lion has claws and, and mighty teeth. We would rather be known, anybody, as broncos. These majestic creatures. Anybody? Broncos? All right. There we go. Uh, as these creatures that, that run in herds and they are fast and they're beautiful uh, creatures. But a sheep, like sheep are known as being dumb animals. Sheep are known uh, for not having any really real way of protecting themselves. They're, 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 they're slow. They don't jump very high. They don't have sharp teeth. They're, uh, think about like a sheep and a fox next to each other. Uh, a fox is a fourth of the size of the sheep and the fox could take the sheep and have it for lunch anytime he wants. And so this, the sheep needs the shepherd. I'm going to um, show you a picture, uh, a before and after of a sheep. Uh, this is the same sheep, uh, the one on the left and the one on the right. Look at that fat sheep on the left. So this, uh, I'll tell you how I found this. So I was watching YouTube videos because that's what I do. I was researching shepherding and sheep because that's what I do. If you know about me, you know that I, I like learning and, and figuring out things. I once uh, took apart my entire car engine and rebuilt it and re-ringed the piston and honed the cylinders. How? I watched some YouTubes and figured it out. Um, so I was YouTubing uh, shepherding and sheep for this sermon on Monday. And I came across the video uh, of this sheep, which is his name is Chris the Sheep. And uh, years ago, he was lost. So uh, on the left is, is the before. So this sheep was out uh, by himself without any human contact uh, or in his herd. And he was out for just five years. And so this is what a sheep looks like after five years of no care whatsoever from a shepherd. He's he's fat. He's uh, they they pulled off. They they tweeted out that they needed a, a sheep shear for a special job, and, and so a, a very special sheep, like a, an award-winning sheep shear, came and sheared the sheep uh, and got 80 pounds off the sheep. And this sheep probably weighed less than 80 pounds. So imagine, however much you weigh, imagine wearing around a coat of yourself <laughs> or more. And this sheep could barely walk. It could barely stand. It was full of, of disease and a little parasites. And I'm sure it was filthy and stinking. Just look at it. Like the front of it is just brown with like like rolling through the mud, I guess. Apparently uh, can't even barely lift himself up. And so this, I was thinking about this metaphor. It's like, isn't that like us? Like just a couple minutes, just a couple years without the leading of the Lord. And we look like this on the left. He can't even see. Like it gets like his haircut is in front of his eyes. Can't even see and think about like that's all of us without the leading of a good shepherd this is what we are like and so they sh they, they sheared the sheep there he is on the right he's doing well now I guess an Australian like a humane society thing found him and helped him but admit it like we're I think think about this metaphor we're, we're kind of like that the parable of the lost sheep that Jesus tells 
then becomes very serious. Like I didn't realize this about sheep, that they need a shepherd not just to protect them, not just to lead them, but so that they don't look like the one on the left. And so the parable of the lost sheep is that there's, there's all these sheep and one runs away and the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes to find this one sheep that is lost and brings it back. It says that it brings the sheep back on his neck, back to the fold. And there's more rejoicing. It says there's more rejoicing over one who repents the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. This is the second point of uh, this sermon. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And so the focus of this sermon is, is not on the sheep. I think whenever we start talking about shepherds, it's fun to talk about the silliness and the dumbness uh, of the sheep. But really this passage is about the awesomeness and the goodness of the shepherd. The, if, 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 G, if, we are, if the Lord is our shepherd, we are like the sheep, Jesus goes one step beyond and says that he is the good shepherd. I guess there's two types of uh, shepherding styles in, in the world that have become very popular. One is a more modern approach, uh, and, and you use dogs. It's the Scottish model where you have these shepherd dogs, and they run around the sheep, and they keep the sheep in line and where the sheep need to go, and they're, they're constantly barking and scaring the sheep into where uh, the shepherd wants them to go, and they're nipping and biting at the sheep and making sure the sheep stay in line. And then there's the more ancient approach, the, the approach that's the that clearly Jesus is talking about. It's the approach of a shepherd without the noisy biting dogs. But the shepherd just knows his sheep and the sheep know the shepherd and the shepherd goes and the sheep are able to follow and they trust the shepherd and he is the good shepherd. And of course, that's the image here that Jesus is saying that he is the good shepherd. In my life, I've had uh, Thinking about the Lord being our shepherd, I think about the word shepherd or pastor. These are similar words in the Greek. And that I've had in my own life wonderful shepherds, pastors, people that who, who played the role of a shepherd in my life. I think about my, my youth days when I was in high school. I became uh, a, a believer and, and dedicated my life to the Lord. And I, I just thought I was this shy dumb little kid that was just, I was just always thinking people are going to make fun of me. I have very low self-esteem. And this pastor, this youth pastor, a shepherd in my life, his name is Paul Bradley. He didn't see that in me. He saw something in me, uh, leadership qualities and, and, and love, my love for the Lord that was so new and fresh. And he and, and he got a couple other kids together in high school and he sat down with us weekly and did a Bible study with us and just shepherded me and coached me. Fast forward a couple years in, in college, I, I was in, uh, moved from one place to another. My dad was in the Air Force and I was living in Utah and going to this little church and, and, and in my college years, um, just going through the, the, the Christian walk and struggling in lots of different areas. And a friend of mine, his name's Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Pitts is his last name. And he was a shepherd in my life, a youth pastor, a shepherd, that he taught me how to study the Bible. He would just go to coffee shops. This was his thing. He would sit down in a coffee shop. If he had a day off, he'd sit there the whole day and, and read the Bible and study the Bible and journal. And I was just so fascinated by this, fascinated that he would love to do this. And he taught me how to do that, like journal and read the Bible and think through different scriptures. And I just think back in my life, what a wonderful shepherd, what a wonderful pastor in my life. Or I think about when Brady Boyd, our, our senior pastor of the North New Life Campus, came to our uh, campus to pastor us. It was, it was a time of um, 
Like we had gone through a pretty horrible season where our senior pastor had a moral failure and then there was an interim pastor. This is 10 years ago. But I remember that time. It was a very hard time and I was on the staff and I remember just like holding it together, like thinking about in my own head, like this is a sinking ship. And looking back, I think about the miracle it is that our church is still around. Like the, the thing that we went through was pretty rough 10 years ago and we should just be a, you know, like a used car lot up on the north end of town, our north campus. But instead, we're planting churches like New Life Manitou, the miracle of God. Um, and, and, and God used Pastor Brady when he came. Um, he came and he saw that the staff, including myself, was just run ragged. Like we were holding together a ship that was sinking and running around and putting fingers in holes that were letting, that were letting out water and holding things together and not getting any rest. And he taught us about rest. He taught us about Sabbath. I remember him talking about um, Psalm 23, that the Lord will, will lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake and that he will guide us and, and lead us by green pastures and make us lay down. And so Pastor Brady, in this loving way, made us take days off and, and made us, we now have this uh, uh, rotation amongst pastors and everybody that's full-time staff at New Life, every seven years you get a sabbatical. And so this this pastoring figure that Brady was to us years ago. I think about that in my life. And I think about the Lord, how ultimately he is the good shepherd. He is the one that is our guide. He is the one that is our shepherd. So the next point is Jesus warns us of the robber, the thief, and the hired hand. Jesus warns us of the robber, the thief, and the hired hand. The This passage that, that Jesus begins to talk, it says at the beginning that he's talking to the Pharisees. And I imagine that they're the ones who were like the thieves and the robbers, taking from people. They, they were the ones, the religious leaders in charge. Jesus accuses them in other passages of putting these burdens on people, p- putting large burdens on people's shoulders, and then not being willing to lift any of that burden off of their shoulders. And so Jesus is talking about the robber and the thief. You know what the difference between a robber and a thief is? The robber... You know if you're getting robbed because usually the robber will hold you at gunpoint or some sort of weapon in a modern day sense. A thief comes in the in the night like no one knows. Like he's 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 stealing from you when you're not knowing. But the robber and the thief are people that take from the sheep. They are not good leaders. They are there just to take from the congregation, take from the sheep, take from God's people. And Jesus said he is the good shepherd that takes uh, care of his people instead of taking from the people. And then he also warns against the hired hand. It says in this uh, scripture that, There's a hired hand, and he acts as a shepherd, but he's not the true shepherd. He's just hired to do the job of shepherding the sheep. And it says, when the wolf comes, the hired hand runs away. And that's kind of human nature, isn't it? Like, in in the midst of danger, uh, in the midst of a wolf attacking, and I've never seen a wolf in real life, in the wild at least, um, that's a very scary thing. And the hired hand doesn't have the investment, doesn't own the sheep, doesn't love the sheep like the true shepherd, so the hired hand will run away. I think about a very scary time in my life uh, was the, the shooting at New Life North on December 9th, 2007. How many of you, I was curious, how many of you were New Lifers at that time? So quite a few. Um, uh, let's see, I was, 
Uh, and just thinking about this, like knowing that I was going to share this and then looking at the news this morning, there, there was another shooting in Cincinnati. And it's like, this is a very real time in our age where there's just, just horrible things happening and, and shootings and such horrible, like the wolves coming among us as God's people. But it, it, at um, New Life North on December 9th, 2007, Jack Hayford just spoke. And I was a teacher for the King's College and Jack Hayford was the chancellor for the King's College. So uh, my wife and I, I were in the student chapel. We had had our cell phones on the table and, and jackets, and we were talking and waiting for Jack Hayford to come to talk to the students and the faculty of King's College. And we're, we're just in the student chapel, and then, like, we hear the gun. Like, I heard gunshots. I've, I've been around guns. I got my, uh, in Boy Scouts, I got my rifles merit badge. I just knew, like, right away, like, that's a gunshot. And I grabbed my wife's hand, and we started heading for the outside door. And I, I turn and look back, and, and some people are, like, laughing as if, like, a, a, chair, a stack of chairs fell or something. It's like, I wonder what that was. And it's like, I, I, that, I know what that was. That was a gunshot. We're all in grave danger. And so my wife and I ran to the door. We were the first ones out. And then this thought came over me, like, this is my church. Like, my church. I'm a shepherd here. I'm a pastor. I didn't think of this passage uh, exactly, but I just thought that idea of, like, this is my church. And so I stopped I looked in the tag, the tag chapel, it's called the student chapel as well, and said, we need to get out of here, we need to run. And, and then some, some people started moving, and then my wife and I went outside, our car happened to be right there on that side of the building, so we got in our car, and then that thought came over me again, like, this is my church, like, we're, we can't just leave. And so we drove, we kind of took a right, and, and then we saw by the tent, um, uh, people on the ground, there was blood, there was, there was like bullet cartridges, and, and just this scene, this horrible scene at our own church of destruction, and I told my wife, wait in the car, and I got out, and, and just having no idea what was going on, like, was the shooter still in the parking lot, was there multiple shooters, this, all this fear, um, I got out, and I, I saw David Works, who is the, the father of the two girls that ended up dying, uh, and I just sat with him and held his hand, and he was, he was crying and asking when the ambulance was, was going to get there, and I had no answers for him, but I just sat with him. And I think about the, a shepherd just being with his sheep in the field and, and, and amongst his people. And I think of Psalm 121, that the Lord uh, does not slumber or sleep. The Lord will watch over us. The Lord will watch over our coming and going. The Lord will be our shade at our right hand. The sun will not harm us by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will watch us and keep us all the days of our life. And I thought about that poem um, how many of you are familiar with the, the poem, Footprints in the Sand poem? Not that many of you. Okay, well, this is, this is good then. I remember it's a, it's, it was so overused, at least in, in my thinking uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, that it became like the definition of what a cheesy Christian thing is. And, and some of you are like very familiar with the posters uh, that have the Footprints poem on it, but apparently less than half of you raised your hand, so uh, maybe you're just indulging me. But the Footprints poem is a wonderful poem, and it is uh, th talking about the, the poem. And in fact, it, it may come from Charles Spurgeon, who was a great preacher. Um, he may ultimately be the, the one who kind of got that poem started. It's an anonymous author, but he may have uh, kind of coined the idea that in life we, we, we walk our lives out, and, and eventually we end up at the end of our lives looking back and seeing uh, sort of the footprints and the sand of our own life. And all along the way, we see, oh, there's, there's been two footprints that the Lord has been walking with us all throughout the life uh, that, that we had lived. 
But then the, the person in the poem realizes that at the, to- at the hard points in life, in the times of destruction and fear, there was only one set of footprints in the sand, as the poem says. And, and the person begins to question, why would the Lord leave me at these horrible times? Why would the Lord leave me? And I think about this, I was just thinking through this this week and, and thinking through bad things happening to good people and, and thinking through, like, that's, that's a legitimate thought that some of us have, I know I have, in really hard times. Like, Lord, where are you? Why does it feel like you're so far from me? Think about Psalm 3. That's exactly why, Lord, are you so far from me? My enemies are all around me and you're not near. It's, it's, it's this asking, this questioning, this longing from the Lord. Like, why is this horrible thing happening to me? And like the Footprints poem, like Psalm 3 says, that the Lord is there right around you. And, and so the poem goes on to say, at the times in life that were the hardest for you, there was only one footprint in the sand because the Lord was carrying us. And I just think that what a wonderful poem, what a wonderful idea that in our lives that the Lord is carrying us and that image of the Lord going out to find the lost sheep and then not just bringing it back, not just like you know, hitting it and making it go back, but carrying it on, it's uh, carrying this little sheep on the Lord's neck, bringing it back into the safety and comfort of the herd and of the, the Lord's work. This next point says, um, Jesus says, I am the gate. So it's the next point here, the, the second to the last. Jesus says, I am the gate. So Jesus says this parable about, uh, a metaphor parable about how he is the good shepherd how he is the shepherd, and, and it says in the text that the Pharisees, they, they don't get it. Let me read that exactly. It says, um, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling him. So he kind of changes it up. He adds some more and says that he is the gate. And gates and fences are very good things if there's evil on the outside. Think of this time I was on a, a mission trip to India, and we went to North India. We are in the Kashmir area, right on the border of India and Pakistan. And it's a very volatile place in the world. There, there's often riots there. There's often uh, fights on the street and people, the Indian people and Pakistani people, not liking each other for lots of long historic reasons. And it's a very harsh place of the world. And I was so thankful that wherever we went and we stayed, the missionary contact we were with always made sure we stayed in safe places. I look around and see these huge walls with, with gates and barbed wire. And I thought, I'm very thankful for the walls around us and for the safety that's here. But for someone trying to get in, well then the, the wall, the gate, the fence, well then that's not a very good thing. They see it as like, well why am I being kept out of this? There's a passage in scripture about the, the people not being able to inherit the kingdom of God. So I want you to listen to the whole thing and then he goes on to say a little bit more. So it says this, Paul is talking about uh, the wrongdoers in 1 Corinthians 6. He says this, he says, don't you know that wrongdoers, it's all of us, uh, that we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. And he, he lists some sins here. The sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, men who have sex with men, the thieves, the greedy, the drunkards, the slanderers, the swindlers will not hand, inherit the kingdom of God. So there's this fence. There's the gate. They won't inherit. But Jesus is the gatekeeper. And he is good. And he is loving. This passage goes on to say that that's what some of you were. 
that, that we were, these, thi- these sins being listed out. But we are washed. We have been sanctified. We have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. See, the kind of gatekeeper that Jesus is is a very good one. This is the last point. Jesus lays his life down for us. Jesus lays his life down for us. When I think of uh, like a gatekeeper, um, I think of uh, like a TSA agent. (laughs) So like if you have more than 3.4 ounces of something, then then they'll they'll like make you throw it away. I remember having uh, this little toothpaste bottle was four ounces. Like right when they started doing the ounce thing, it was a four. It said four ounces on it, but it was like less than half full. It probably had one ounce of toothpaste in this four ounce container. And so the TSA agent made a big deal of us. Oh, this says four ounces, and I was like. Well, there's, surely it's not four, it's ha- less than half full. It's like, yeah, but it says four ounces, so you've got to throw it away. And I was like, are you serious? Like, what if I put it into something that didn't say four ounces? Like, yeah, you can do that, but you've got to go to the back of the line. It was just like, what a mean, like, gatekeeper. Like, people often think of the Lord, like, like in those terms, that the Lord is, is just looking for us to mess up, and the Lord is pointing out our sins. And instead, we have a good gatekeeper. We have a good shepherd. And this point, it says that he lays his life down for us. What an image that this good gatekeeper is not just looking for our four ounces when we're only allowed three. It was 3.4 that we're allowed. Keith would know, right? You don't need, you're a pilot. You need to know this. Um <laughs> So it's the, the Lord isn't looking for like to pull out our tiny little sins and like, oh, this, this will keep you out. Instead, the Lord lays his life down for us so that we might come in, so that he might shepherd us. I want to read this passage. It's, it's the, um, where he says that he's a good shepherd. I want to read it prayerfully, then we'll pray and prepare ourselves for communion. But it says this, it's verse 14. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep, they know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Let's pray this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, you are the good shepherd and and Lord, we need you. You are in our lives. You are leading us in our lives. And Lord, we, we we have all sinned. We have all fallen short. We have all walked paths that we shouldn't be walking. We have all been like that sheep that's been lost and alone and afraid. And we, Lord, we turn to our own things. We turn to our own devices. Lord, we turn to our things that are not of you. But Lord, you are the good gatekeeper. And Lord, you lay your life down so that we might come into the fold. We might come into your kingdom, your goodness, and your mercy. So, Lord, we praise you. We, we come before you with grateful hearts, and, 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 Lord, we love you and honor you. You are the good shepherd. Amen. Would you stand up with me? We're going to read together. Uh, it's our custom to, to read together uh, a, song, a, a, um, a prayer of confession, but today we're going to read together Psalm 23. We're going to pray it. We're going to say it out loud as a people. And this, this psalm is, 
it's, of course, the great psalm that the Lord is our shepherd. And the words are so uh, poetic and, and metaphorical that the Lord is taking care of us. The Lord cares for us. So would you read this psalm with me? Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.